Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. I'm joined by my partner, Brad Canning. Our guest this week is with the SEC Network. He hosts three-man front on jocks from 10 to 2 on weekdays. He's Cole Kublik. Cole, the Alabama fan base, starting to get a little uneasy about the offensive line, most notably the right side. From what you've seen in the first two games, is that warranted or is it a little too early to hit the panic button? <laughs> it's like you got probably the best run blocker in the SEC <laughs> playing right tackle for Alabama and yeah. people are worried about it. They people are. are scared about it. Yeah, no. that, it's, that's a thing. Two weeks, yeah. it, it's two weeks in, and uh, like I, I've been I, I trying to tell people, for the last few years now, uh, if you if you study offensive line play, it, it is developing more slowly than any other position group in college football. The reason for that being with more full-speed practices, more full-pad practices, more full contact being taken away in the spring and in two-a-days. Well, we don't even have two-a-days anymore, but in fall camp, that position doesn't have the time to develop. And you don't have the real opportunity to get your body acclimated for what you're going to ask it to do in the course of a regular season playing college football, especially big time college football, especially a team that's not playing, uh, you know, a spread style that's blocking back and sifting up to the next level and pulling and trying to create space. If you're a group that goes after people, it's going to take some time to develop that unless you have two and three and four year starters, which Alabama's got one at left tackle and one at center, but the other guys are kind of new to what they're doing. They're either playing different positions or they're either new to playing at Alabama so or playing significant roles on Alabama's offensive line. I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about it if I was an Alabama fan. I am interested to see this offensive line be tested, though. I, I don't think that Alabama's had to lean on that group yet. I don't, I don't think that's a group that has necessarily had to carry the offense or carry the team or – have to go out and be great in order for the team to win or close out a game. I think to see that happen at some point this season. And then there may only be two or three times that that actually happens, but um, I'm anxious to see it when it does, it won't be Saturday, but it'll be fun to watch um, how far Brent key can get that group to progress across the course of the season. You know, Jedrick Wills is not, he's not a great pass blocker yet. He uses a lot of his upper body strength when he does. I mean, he's, it's like watching a damn WWE wrestling match in Pass Pro when he's over there because he's like body slamming guys and suplexing guys and choke slamming guys. But, I mean, it's been pretty effective for him most of the time. He's not going to be able to get away with that with the elite, with the elite edge guys in the SEC. But, again, he'll, he'll continue to progress. And the only way to get better as an offensive lineman is to do it full speed against guys that are trying to make you look bad. And when you take away those full pad practices, especially those full pad practices working together as a group, as a unit, it's difficult for the entire group to be on the same page and really look good early in the season. So, I mean, I've only seen, I mean, Georgia's offensive line hasn't blown me away. They haven't been very impressive. Wisconsin's has, Oklahoma's has, but I haven't seen a lot of offensive lines all across college football look really good the first two weeks of the season. So it just takes time. Uh, I think Leatherwood's going to be fine at right guard, super talented. He's got a ton of power, ton of athleticism, but you've seen him miss some assignments. I think he's, I believe he's thinking a little bit too much right now. And, and that'll, that'll change the more comfortable he gets, the more time he has uh, being the guy at right guard and understand it's still a new position for him as well. I mean, he, he hadn't repped there for two or three years, so it's going to take some time for him to, physically and mentally get acclimated to being there so uh, my, my concerns with the Alabama offensive line are at a bare minimum right now hey Cole Brad Canning here uh, thanks for coming at, uh, back on buddy and uh, wanted to give you a congratulations on the radio show for you guys it's uh, well deserved and I wanted to kind of talk about 
maybe some things people don't know too much about when it comes to the Alabama offensive line. And I wanted you to kind of give them an idea when it comes to what the differences are as far as the big differences when it's Jalen on the field or Tua on the field, given that one's a lefty and one's a righty. You know, I've, I've, I've asked a lot of offensive coordinators that, and I've asked a lot of offensive line coaches that, and I don't, I don't think you really change much. Now, as a play caller, I think there actually is some significant difference. You, you have to understand that you can't call the same sprint out or roll out into the boundary or into the field or into a blitz, and your protection maybe has to be a little bit different based on where you think guys may be coming from. Uh, so I, I think some of those kind of things do change a little bit. But as far as the offensive line is concerned, I, I really don't think it's that different. I mean, I, I, I haven't talked to a left tackle who – takes a different approach than a right tackle does just because he knows it's that quarterback's blind side. I mean, your ultimate goal is still to get a guy blocked. You still use your same techniques, your same fundamentals. You want to get your hands inside. You want to try to keep your feet apart and keep a nice base and try to, you know, force your defender to either work in the team push him past the pocket or if he comes inside. You know, you try to stalemate that move and keep the pocket firm so the quarterback can slide outside around that pass rush coming to the inside a little bit. So, I don't think fundamentally anything changes. I don't think your attitude or your mindset really changes. The ultimate goal obviously doesn't change. And I think that would be, especially if you had two guys playing, kind of like Alabama does right now, that, that's asking guys, to, you can't be a good offensive lineman if you think too much. And, and I understand some people would say, well, they say you have to be intelligent to play the position, which I'm proof that that's not true. But, you, you, I mean, it is a thinking man's position as in recognition, seeing blitzes, knowing fronts, recognizing movement personnel, things of that nature. You, you have to see and recognize all that, but you really start forcing guys to think a little bit too much if they're trying to focus on, okay, our left-handed quarterback's in now, so let's let's make sure we take a little bit of a deeper pass hit here or a wider pass hit here, or let's jump this defensive end because I have the blind side, or I don't have the blind side, so I can get away with being a little bit more aggressive here. Because then, too, I mean, think, think about what you're doing there. Subconsciously, you're saying, well, my quarterback should know that I might get beat on this play because I'm not his backside tackle. So I just don't think you can coach guys that way. I don't, I don't think you can ask them to mentally approach a snap that way. So I do know it changes for coordinators and how you call plays a little bit, uh, but I don't think it changes much for an actual offensive lineman. Cole, Ole Miss has arguably the best group of receivers in the nation. Alabama's coming into Oxford with brand-new secondary. How do you see those young defensive backs matching up with guys like A.J. Brown? Uh, can Ole Miss maybe possibly get in the track meet that they may want to get in? I, I think that I think they can get into the track meet, but you know I, I think Alabama's going to be running the 100 and Ole Miss will be running the mile. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I just – I don't – even if they get in that style game, which is which is the game that I think Ole Miss needs to try to get in because that's that's the, that's the strength of their team. The Scotty Phillips is not the strength of their team. Their offensive line is not the strength of their team. The strength of their team is Jordan Tayamu and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Demarcus Lodge and Dawson Knox. I mean, that those are the guys that make them go. So utilize what makes you go. Utilize your strength and and your most talented guys. Now. Just the, I mean, the reality of it is, how many stops are they going to get against Alabama's offense? Probably not enough to really make it a close game, a watchable game in the fourth quarter. But I do think that's the style of game that they need to play. And, and you, you got a guy in, in, in Tua who, as talented as he is, as gifted as he is, you know, still plays a little bit of high-risk ball at times. So maybe you just play that style of game and hope to get in that style of game 
thinking that he may make a mistake or two. And if he does, there's your opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think that there's not a secondary in the country that's going to be able to just lock that group down. They're physical mismatches for everybody they play. I mean, I think LSU's got the best secondary in college football. They don't, they're not going to be able to just match up with what Ole Miss has at wide receiver. Nobody can. They're just, they're too big. They're too physical. They're too fast. But I think from a, from a schematic standpoint and, you know, some of the pattern matching that Alabama does and maybe being able to confuse Jordan Tayamu a little bit, that's where things may become a little bit different. It's not just going to be about talent, experience, ability. It'll come down to scheme and structure and you try to confuse him that way. I think the other thing that helps, the other thing that helps Ole Miss a little bit in this game is I believe Alabama's two best pass rushers are both interior defensive linemen. Right now, I think Quentin Williams and Raquan Davis are their two best pass rushers. And with a lot of the slide protection and quick protection that, and obviously, you know, the RPO stuff that Ole Miss is going to run, that gives them a little bit of an advantage because your, your, your interior guys are only going to have the opportunity to get there because that, that's mostly going to be clogged up and be a bit of a log jam a lot of times. So, you know, saying some of the edge guys, I mean, even if they did have somebody there, I don't think. Tayamu spending that much time in the pocket, he understands that they're not going to take a lot of five and seven step drops against Alabama and be able to make that work. So, I think I think the Ole Miss offensive line is good enough to hold up in a lot of that, that quick stuff that they do. And Sean Rollins, a good player. Greg Little's very talented, but uh, you know, second and third level, I think the structure of what Alabama does, the scheme that they throw on the field, is what's going to be most beneficial to them probably getting some stops. So you just uh, touched briefly on Alabama's defensive line. That was part of my next question. I wanted to get your thoughts of what you've seen through the first two games with their uh, rotation they have so far in the D-line, but also the front seven overall because I've seen Dylan Moses out there making plays shades of Rashawn Evans with his number. And when we spoke a year ago before the Ole Miss game last year, you said that if Rashawn Evans was in the best package for him, he'd probably be the best pass rusher in the country. I wanted to get your thoughts on just Bama's D-line so far and what you think Dylan Moses' uh, ceiling is this year. I still believe that, by the way. I still think if, if Rashawn was given a chance, he could have easily led the nation in sacks last year. He's just, he's just that gifted. He's, he's that quick twitch, and, and he just has, he has a knack. He has an understanding of, of being able to affect the pocket. And, and I agree that, that Dylan Moses does some things that way, is it a fair comparison? Probably not, because I just I, I think Rashawn's quick twitch ability was just so next level that I don't think that I don't think that that Moses really has the same kind of skill set. But I you do see some explosiveness, and you do see some of that quickness, and, and I think that if Alabama doesn't believe that that they have you know, the kind of speed rushers on the edge that, that can consistently affect the pocket, then they're probably going to use an extra blitzer. And, and he's a guy that I know can make some things happen because uh, he's shown that he can he can get into the backfield and, and he can obviously apply some pressure. I think Raekwon Davis has been about what you expect him to be so far. Um, and, and I think Quinn Williams has been a pleasant surprise. Now, I'll, I'll be interested to see against certain groups in this league um, like a Mississippi State, like an LSU, if if he can play sort of the quick game like he's played these first two weeks and, and be as effective. Because a lot of times when you jump around like that, uh, it's easy to get caught, and it's easy to get caught out of out of space and, and lose gap integrity sometimes. So 
But but I, I know from a pass rush perspective, he's a guy that's going to be able to make an impact. I think he can win a lot of one on ones inside if he's able to get them. So, you know, Freddie Jennings has looked good. He's been he's been the guy that we saw for the majority of last season. So, uh, I mean, I, I think all in all, it's it's been about what I expected. I, I want to see more reps from LeBron Ray. He's a guy that that I came in kind of thinking could have a big season and could potentially be a breakout player because I think he's got some versatility up front. So he, he's somebody who I'm still kind of keeping my eyes on to see if he has a more expanded role as the season progresses. Finally, my last question for you was going to be, based on what we've seen from Alabama so far, um, what is the main concern you've noticed for this team in general as far as the rest of the season goes outside of you know their kickers having foot aids? Uh Man, biggest concern. I mean, I'd, it's hard to say right now because I, I I don't know if if what I mean Deontay Thompson's been great, so he he solves a lot of the problems in the secondary. You know, a lot of people think that that would be a real big area of concern. I'm I'm anxious to see how the corners hold up this week because I think that'll be a big test for them. I think if there is a if there's a bigger, more physical offensive line that they have to face, how that front seven holds up. I think depth along the front seven is something that to, to keep an eye on. It's just not where it's been the past four, five, six years. And, and offensively, I really don't. I really don't have any. I mean, I, I, I would. You want to see Tua, you know, get a game or get at least the majority of a game to kind of take over and be the guy and, and prove that he's the quarterback and show that it's his team. And, you know, you want to see Damian Harris be able to sort of really get into a rhythm and get, you know, 22, 26 carries to where he can start to lean on a defense because I think he can be just as effective or not more effective when he gets that bulk load of carries and he's he kind of can become a fourth-quarter guy behind that offensive line. But I don't really think that there's there's any big concerns, any glaring deficiencies that I've seen thus far. Some of that may have to do with, with – the opponent and some of that may just be that that they're as advertised all right we're going to switch gears for this last question to the lsu auburn matchup this weekend i've seen some of joe burrow's numbers against pressure and it's not pretty um do you expect auburn to be able to exploit that yeah i I think that i think both offenses in this game are facing really bad matchups uh in the defenses that they're going to be going up against I, i think with lsu moving some guys around on the offensive line and that group not being great in pass pro other than left tackle and left guard yet from what I've seen this season, that, that could be a bit of a recipe for disaster in this game. I think the Auburn front's going to cause a lot of problems. Uh, I think they'll keep Joe Burrow moving if not being hit, and they, they're going to make him prove that he can be an accurate quarterback under pressure in this game because I don't think that they're going to have to dedicate six or seven games to two to get pressure. I think they'll be able to do it with four or five the majority of the game. Um, you know, and, and we don't really know yet how he's going to react in this atmosphere. He hasn't he hasn't played in an atmosphere like this. He hasn't played with this much on the line in an atmosphere like this. So it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. I like Nick Brosette a lot, but I don't really see him getting it going against this front. And I don't know. We haven't seen enough from those wide receivers yet. It's a young group to know. You know, can they? Do they have a guy or two or three that can just go take over a game? Yeah, I think having Foster Moreau is going to be big in this game because he can help you inside. He can help protect a little bit, help in the run game. But it's a bad matchup for the for the LSU offense, and I think LSU's defense is a bad matchup for the Auburn offense. I think Dave Aranda is going to be able to pick and choose where he wants to play numbers. He can keep extra guys on the back end in coverage, but he also has a couple guys who can just flat-out cover. So he may take his chances either bringing pressure 
he may take his chances with just extra extra defenders in the box to play the run, which I don't think he's going to need to because Auburn's offensive line is not there yet. They're still improving, but they're they're no by no means a dominant group just yet. And I think Whitlow ends up being more of their three down back, which you like what he gives you more between the tackles. But if the offensive, I don't think I don't think Auburn's offensive line is moving consistently. Rashard Lawrence, Brennan Fajoko, and, and, and that front seven. I just don't see it, and especially with Devin White and a speedy group of linebackers. What Auburn's going to have to do in this game, and, and Dave Aranda may even play, play some, some man coverage and may even bring his corners up to the line of scrimmage to try and take away a lot of the quick throws. If that's the case, well, then you need double moves, um, and, and then you need routes that take a little bit more time for guys to get open, and Jared Stidham's going to have to fit some balls in some windows, which I think he can do, but will he have the time to be able to do it? I think you'll see a lot of misdirection from Auburn. I think that's the key to watch from Auburn's offense. Watch counters, watch throwbacks, watch throwback screens, you know, watch, watch reverses, watch things like that because I think this LSU defense, if there's one thing that they're not great at, it's that they find themselves out of position at times because they are so aggressive. And I think those could end up being some explosive plays from the Auburn offense. All right, you haven't had any referees try to fight you this year, have you? <laughs> No, nope, not this year. It's been good. It's been fun. So they, uh, you know, they asked me to come up and be a guest official for the South Carolina spring game. So we we all made friends after that. That's good. We just had somebody tweet us, you know, asking if you you still wanted to fight uh, pissed off referees. So we had to fit that in. Sure, real quick. He, it was all good. He, we we shook hands at halftime and everything was good. It was there was never any drama. Right. I enjoyed I enjoyed that little league picture of you, uh, by the way. And if you can find some uh, old tape of you hitting dingers, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I don't know if they – I mean, it would be, you know, VHS because we obviously didn't have anything digital back then. That was a long time ago. I don't, I don't know if the West Homewood Park days had anybody out there recording those games or not. That was like the big shoulder cam uh, that, that you had back in the day. It was, like a, it was like a news reporter out there filming your kid playing Little League Baseball. All right. He's Cole Kublik. Cole, thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right. We appreciate it. Anytime. All right, so thank you to Cole Kublik. Be sure to, to check out Three Man Front and Birmingham Jocks 10 to 2 weekdays. We did have a couple of points on Ole Miss. Uh, a friend of the show, Ben Litvin, on Twitter. If you're one of the people that, that listen to the show from Twitter, I'm sure that you're very familiar with Ben. He breaks down a bunch of stuff from Alabama, a bunch of stuff from, from their opponents. It's at Ben underscore Litvin if you want to find him on Twitter. He pointed out a few things uh, with the Ole Miss offense, Brad, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're going to endlessly see RPOs this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in one of his videos, you can see where Tamu has a tendency at times to choose the wrong option on the RPO in certain spots. Uh, he's handed the ball off with a, with a loaded box for no gain, for instance. But Ole Miss is really kind of keeping it simple for him, the, the entire offense. And to their credit, it's, it's obviously working when they're putting mm-hmm. up 70 points a game. Uh, but they're running plays specifically designed for guys like A.J. Brown, where, say, Demarcus Lodge is running just a total decoy route to essentially take his man out of the play. They can get a guy like A.J. Brown in a one-on-one situation, and they like their odds, obviously. He's probably the best receiver in the nation. And if you have, you know, maybe a young guy like Patrick Sertain or a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience like Diggs on him in a one-on-one situation, I think that's cause for concern for Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to have a bigger test this year when it comes to receiving core um, unless something changes. No, 100%. Um, And, I mean, hell, the bright side of it is, though, is it's a good thing it's happening this early. Yeah. I mean, you don't want something like this to come in November. You want it now. You test the guys, get it on film, 
And, and I mean, look, I'm already prepared. This kid is going to hit a big throw or two. I'm just, I'm preparing myself. I, I think he's talented, but I also think, like you said, with how his decision-making is in RPOs right now, he still is inexperienced. And what's going to come into factor here is his ability to have a 10-second memory like 10-second Tom from 51st Dates. And we're going to have to see how he bounces back and responds early because what's been the MO with Ole Miss the two years that they beat us after eight straight years of losing? Jumping out early on a lead and not letting up. That's got to be the way they got to do it here. And they definitely have the receiving core. But I don't know if their offensive line and hell, just their team in general is going to be able to hold up to Alabama over four quarters. We're going to definitely find out a lot about Ole Miss, but also Alabama's back four. Yeah, and I kind of like that they're, that they're keeping it simple. I think they're going to dumb it down maybe, possibly even more for him on Saturday just just so it's quick. It's quick out of his hand. Like I said, they're going to try to get in one-on-one situations. They're going to go for deep bombs. I wouldn't even run. The, I, the only time that I would ever run the ball is literally just to keep the defense honest occasionally if I were them. If Ole Miss has double-digit runs that aren't quarterback runs, I'll be shocked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be bad coaching. I'll be honest. Like that, yeah, a, a lot of the teams that have beaten Alabama over the years have at times totally abandoned the run outside of Ohio State. And I don't think, you know, it's, it's Ole Miss's M.O. to do that. And the whole thing is, too, to your point, you don't want to change your entire offense or even part of your entire offense uh, just for Alabama. I mean, he's already going to have the nerves and the anxiety and everything going into this game. You don't want to add to that. All right, well, Wes, I'll be uh, keeping an eye out for Alabama on offense, uh, at least through the first half on their third down possessions when two is on the field, because uh, right now through two games, the offense 10 for 10, uh, 187 yards and four touchdowns as two is passing numbers on third down. So That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's a quarterback rating of almost 300, so uh, I didn't know it went over 100, so that's impressive as hell. But looking back at this weekend real quick, briefly, and then forward to Old Miss, the kicker and the foot aids condition is just what still stands out, like always. You know, we bitched about it enough, but I'm going to bitch a little bit more. Um, I hope some of that $600 million in renovations is going to go to new, new and bigger uh, goalpost at Brian Denny. <laughs> just a little um, wider. Yeah, just, just a little bit. I mean, hopefully they don't check them, but... So when Alabama lost to Ole Miss for the first time in eight years, uh, that was in Oxford, and you know they tore the goalposts down, carried them out to the frat houses, all that. I went ahead and tweeted Ole Miss's football account after uh, this past weekend's kicking uh, attempts and told them, you go ahead and tear them down. We're not going to need them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just take wanted... them completely out of the stadium and never replace them again. Yeah, I mean, shit, we don't need them. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Temple transfer Austin Jones, <laughs> he had missed as many kicks in his eight attempts at Bama before he was pulled last week, as he did in 104 attempts over four years at Temple. I mean, that's mind-blowing. But we got old Joseph B. stepping up, taking over now. And uh, I don't know if he's caught it fully yet, but we're going to get to see him live, catch a case of the foot aids. And we got the number one kicker coming in next year, too, so I can't wait to screw him up either. Um, (laughs) But, no, I mean, I joke, but, hey, it is what it is. Uh, we just need to start doing like the Steelers, going for two. I'm okay with that as well. I would actually be fine with that. Um, I, I know nothing about kicking a football, but the ball did look a little different coming off of uh, old Joseph B.'s foot yeah, than, I than it think... did Austin Jones. I mean, he has he has some oomph behind his leg. Uh, we don't know if it's – who knows if it's going to go left or right. All that we heard from last year's practices was that he couldn't kick it in the ocean. He's looked pretty good. He looked good in the spring game. He looked good last week. Uh, you know, maybe he got those issues fixed. Maybe. <laughs> we are soon to find out. 
yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see if uh, you got the Madden curse and you got the the Bama kicker curse. So we're going to see if old uh, Joseph B is going to be the savior of that. I don't think Alabama's going to be kicking a lot of field goals in Oxford, though, if I had to bet. So No. Um, and, and look, and I've said it repeatedly. I think that the, we, sh- as a fan base, should just embrace the missed field goals. It is part of our identity now. So just, just embrace embrace the suck is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, but do you truly remember what it felt like when Alabama had a kicker line up and you didn't already assume it's being missed and yeah. legit believe that? Yeah, 2009. Yeah, it's been so damn yeah. long, I forgot that feeling almost. Yeah. But 30 years from now, when Dabo's 65, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to you know, still have that feeling. But anyways, um, no, I mean, extra points are our big concern now, and uh, that's going to make me start looking at Alabama spreads until I'm proved wrong in a manner of six points and not seven points. All right, well, before we sign off, I have one point that I kind of want to make about the Ole Miss roster. Because I was going through their depth chart. I was looking at names. Uh, I think right now we're sort of seeing those guys that Hugh Freeze convinced to sign with Ole Miss dwindle. Uh, That talent, I think, is going to seem like it evaporated overnight. Right now they have, like we said, arguably the best group of starting wide receivers in the nation. That's the thing you can argue. Phil Still, who we know is one of the most respected, accurate guys out there, uh, he has the Ole Miss unit as his top wide receiver unit in the nation in his preview magazine. A.J. Brown, everyone's going to be stunned if he doesn't enter the draft. He's going to be the first receiver taken. Uh, Demarcus Lodge is a senior. D.K. Metcalf, he's projected as a a top 10 draft-eligible receiver. So it's going to be no shock if he he decides to go. Uh, Greg Little, who Cole brought up, he's a top five tackle prospect in the draft. He's gone. Uh, Tamu is a senior. That's their five best players on offense who may potentially not be in Oxford next season. Now, did every one of those outside of Tiamu start last year in that sixty-six to three slaughterhouse? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a little bit different. Uh, last year, not only Knight in Tuscaloosa, but you know, revenge in a sense too, because we don't ever want to lose to him again. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in this matchup in the sense of the 21 point spread that I bet on on Monday night. I went ahead and took <laughs> Bama to cover. Yeah. Because um, I think hell, I mean, until I'm proven otherwise, I mean, I just assume Tua's going to cover the line in the first half. You know, then it's up to the rest of the team to keep on doing it. And what I love so far too is we have. Uh, four non-offensive touchdowns right now. Last year as a whole, we had three. That's that sign. right there, yeah. that's that's sexed right there. So I love it. It's awesome. And Ole Miss, it kind of seems like they, they have that this one-year window on offense. If you look at their depth chart on defense, you can already see the lack of recognizable names. Uh, they lost their top three guys at linebacker from last season. If we're being honest, Matt Luke did a really terrible job of replacing those three. Uh, it's evident in their first two games. It's evident when you're reading the names. Of course, they still have Coatney and Benito Jones on the defensive line, so they're not exactly lacking there. But they would need those two to play out of their minds in order to have a prayer defensively this weekend. Look, for the past several years, I've been able to look at their starters on defense and see several guys that Alabama wanted out of high school. And that's almost non-existent now. Uh, and I think over the course of the next year or two, that's going to apply to both sides of the ball. We're going to see that with their offense as well. And it's going to make it tougher for them to compete and, you know, maybe pull off an upset here and there like they've been able to do. What uh, what do you see coming out of this game here? What's the main storyline? If I'm being honest, I think Alabama can hang 70 on them. 
I mean, hell, they almost did it last yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Ole Miss did not get a stop the entire game. That's how terrible I think their defense is. Okay, so over under two punts and one field goal. <laughs> like, don't you just have to take that over just for uh, like lo- yeah, logic's sake? Yeah, I mean, and because we'll blame Jalen for one or two of those punts. So I- I'm with you, dude. I think we could name the sto- uh, name the score again, but I also wonder are they going to score more than three this year? And I would have to say they do hit double digits yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, uh, like. Uh, like Cole said, I honestly think they're going to be able to score on pretty much anybody. Uh, they have the guys to do that. They, If Alabama's defense can shut these guys down, that is a very, very good sign of things to come. I'll mm-hmm. say that much because they legitimately have one of the better offenses in the nation. I think that's going to hold up throughout the season. Yeah, I'm, I, I think we're going to see a big game from basically the entire defense. And I'm really interested to see if there is a big play, which I expect at least one or two given up, what the back four, especially, you know, their leader now and Deontay Thompson, how they respond, how they regroup. And I love the young guys already both having knots and, you know, Cheyenne Carter and Patrick Sertain and, you know, Diggs, I think, is going to play a good bit. And I just I don't know, man. I, I Hell, I'm still pissed that, you know, Xavier McKinney dropped that pick six last week. I think it's going to be a good performance, and we're going to learn a lot about the defensive backs this weekend, and that's only going to build for the rest of the season. So it'll be a good game to watch. just sucks it's a uh, not too great of a game, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I do see potential for maybe the fan base to overreact a little bit if uh, Tamu and those guys you know, move down the field a few times like I kind of expect them to. Uh, I don't think it's that much of a reason to worry, though. That Look, they're, just, they're good. They're good well, offensively. That- so don't freak out. Don't overreact. It's going to happen. It's not. It's not necessarily a sign of a bad defense as it is when that ball's placed perfectly or those fifty-fifty balls with AJ Brown. He's going to come down with some of those. Yeah, that hashtag uh, from a couple of years ago is going to get longer. When it used to be third and Kirby, now it's going to be you know third and <laughs> I don't know how which way I would go here. It'd either be third and Tosh Golding or third and Golding Lupoy. I don't know. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it'll be. A, it'll, I think it'll be a fun game. I think Tua is going to. He's going to feast all game long. And uh, even Mac Jones might get him a couple. So, All right, well, we'll see you next week on the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley. He's Brad. Roll Tide.